Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. So, on this episode, I got Dave Jackson to join me in a conversation about his books on podcasting, how he wrote his first book in regards to getting your band out of the basement, and just lots of topics that we discussed. So, for most people who love to learn more about podcasting, about what to do, things like this, Dave Jackson is a well of information. He has a show that he puts on that we discuss a little bit, and we discuss so much that, like most of these authors, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg with what they can discuss. So, as always, I encourage you to go to authorblurb.com, where you can find profiles on Dave Jackson, other guests that we have, articles that some of these these authors have written the podcasts themselves and even more stuff. I am constantly trying to give you as much as I can that I feel is worth your time on the website. So go there, check it out. There's options galore for you to go and enjoy. And if you find anything that you have a question about or you'd like to discuss anything, you can also contact me and let me know. I love hearing from you. So instead of me going on and just doing all this stuff, how about we get to the conversation? You can enjoy the show with Dave Jackson and I, and I'll talk with you after we're done. Thank you. So I'm here with Dave Jackson. He's the creator of the podcast, School of Podcasts. He has four or five books, depending on how you look at the titles. I mean... I listen to your podcast constantly. I find tons of great information. I'm actually getting ready to order your books as well to start reading it. But instead of me going through trying to describe everything about you, to basically this is all about you anyhow. So, Dave, I appreciate you being here. If you could, could you please tell people a bit about yourself, a bit about your books, and then we can go into our discussion. Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. Uh, my different books. Well, before we get into the books, my background's in teaching. I taught in the corporate world forever, uh, and I always tell people I used to teach people how to run their fax machines. So, and I taught people how to how to surf the internet and how to do email. So I've been doing it a while. And um, I started off with uh, a book for musicians. I had a a website for musicians, so I wrote a book called "Get Your Band Out of the Basement and Keep Them Out of the Asylum." And that basically came about because people, I was putting these articles on the internet about how to get more gigs and sell more CDs back in the day. And somebody said, why should you put all this stuff into a book? So that's how that one uh, came about. And I then started a podcast to promote the book. Uh, And that's where I learned whoever your target audience is, they should, if you want them to actually buy your book, they should have some money. And when people talk about starving artists, they are not kidding. So there was that one. I have one uh, called Your Favorite Podcast Is. And it's kind of a uh, just a, a quick examination of like what makes people listen to podcasts. So every year I've been asking my audience, like, if you could only pick one podcast and everybody always tells me it's super hard and I don't know which one to pick. But I'm like, nope, you can only have one. What is it? And then more importantly, why? I mean, I, not that I don't care what their favorite podcast is. Mm-hmm. That gives me some insights into what they're listening to. But I really want to know the why, because that's what... I'm looking for that common thread among those. And it's usually they make me laugh. They get to the point. I like the person's personality, things like that. So that's kind of what that came about, where I I just was taking a bunch of those episodes and putting them together 
And I was like, okay, let's let's put these into a book format just to make it maybe easier to uh, find any kind of similarities that were going through kind of a theme. And then the the next book I went to write, I put together all this information about podcasting. And when I handed it in to my editor, this was something I was self-publishing. He said, okay, which one of these books did you want to want me to work on? I go, no, no, it's just, it's just one book. And he said, no, you've got like a, a planning your podcast. You've got a money thing here and promotion and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, he goes, yeah, this is, you're all over the place. And I said, well, everybody's always asking me, how do I make money with my podcast? So that became more podcast money. And I had that out for a while and uh, it did pretty well. And then about, a, oh, man, it's probably been two years now. I uh, had people saying, hey, you don't mention anything here about crowdfunding. There's no mention of Patreon. I'm like, well, it didn't exist when I wrote the book. <laughs> so I had started rewriting that book. And about that time, a publisher came to me and said, hey, would you be interested in writing a book about podcast monetization? And I was like, oh, I've never worked with a publisher before. Let's give this a shot. And um, so that uh, I, I found out that it was easier, at least for me, rather than trying to look at the old book and update it. I just scrapped the whole thing. I said, let's just start from square one and go through there. So that became a profit from your podcast. So those are the, the four books I've been, I've worked with. And um, the last one especially was fun because right as I was getting ready to publish it, COVID hit and my editor, I got passed from one editor to the next editor. It was so <laughs> much fun. But uh, that one also is again about uh, how to monetize your podcast. All right. So let me go through this because if I'm not mistaken, you also work with Lipson, who is a podcast hosting service as well. Now, do, do you talk about in your books the different um, hosting services, the comparison Zoom, or what do you actually dive into? Because everyone I know, like when I first started, obviously I didn't know a thing about it other than let's start talking and see what I do. But I guess the big question everyone has this thought is, is once I start putting out this, my shows, people are going to flock to me and I'm going to just make all this money, which I can <laughs> promise you I've learned very well that that's far from the case. But what do you discuss in these then? Yeah, it's it's not so much. In fact, the the first, I think it's the first chapter says, if you're looking for me to talk about microphones and all that other, like you said, media hosts and how do I pick a topic and things like that, that is not in that book. This is, I have a podcast. It's, I, I have and I, I talk about how you can't monetize dust. So, so right. many people start a podcast, they get it up, they're four episodes in, they're like, all right, let's make some money. And I'm like, yeah, you're getting 12 downloads an episode. I'm like, that's, that's not really going to probably work at this point. So uh, that's the kind of stuff I cover at the School of Podcasting. I actually have a free course. Uh, if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash free courses, I think it is. Uh, okay. There's a course that shows you, like, it shows Libsyn, it shows Captivate and Buzzsprout and a couple other ones. So, And it's free, just so you can then figure out which one to use. But uh, And it's not about how to grow your audience, because really the idea is, it really starts with, who is my audience? Who is this for, and what do they need? That is the And then the third one is, why are you doing this? Because you want your why and your listeners what, like, what do they need, to kind of be in sync with each other so that you can talk about something that they want to hear that's going to motivate them to do whatever you want them to do. Uh, I have a member of the School of Podcasting. He could care less about making money. His sole mission is he just wants to help people uh, 
live a balanced life and, and be happy. And I was like, well, there you go. That's not everybody wants to make money, but, uh, uh, you know, those people that do, uh, some people think I'm going to make money selling my podcast. And that's really not the best way. That's kind of what the book covers is what are those strategies? And the, by like hands down more than th- anything else, selling your own product or service, because the reason that works so well is if you can come up with a schedule and stick to it, then you're seen as reliable. You know, Dave's there every Monday. And then if you can give them information that's going to be helpful, they're like, wow, I I tried that tip, he said. That's really good. And then I would say anytime you can work some sort of personal story in to something that's relevant to your audience. So, you know, if you, I don't know, maybe you have a a blow-up swimming pool and the thing popped and it was super cheap. Okay, well, that's the lesson. Maybe sometimes you get what you pay for. Let's work that into the podcast and by that way people know that okay i have kids because i've got a little swimming pool without just like hey i'm going to talk about me for 20 minutes you're (laughs) you're letting people get to know you as you're still entertaining them and educating them and so once you do that and you say okay now i've got a course or a book or you can hire me as a consultant or whatever it is you're doing or i use this product you should try it uh that uh that's really where it comes in because you've built that relationship with your audience so that's the that's one. And then another one is affiliate marketing. And that's where if you take my free course on media host, the reason that course is free is when I say, hey, if you decide to use whatever uh, Libsyn, use this promo code and you'll get a free month. Well, that's a that's an affiliate link. There's a link there mm-hmm. for Buzzsprout. And so uh, and I'm not going to retire on that. And that's really one of the keys is so many people think I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to get ads and then I'm going to quit my job. And everybody I talked to that was doing this full time did not have one stream. They had multiple streams. I mean, even if you look at somebody who's making millions, John Lee Dumas has affiliate marketing. He had, you can hire him. You can take his course. Plus he has advertising. So he has four streams of income. It's usually not just one. It's multiple streams of income and ads for the most part don't work for most people. About 10% of people And the reason for that is it all depends on how niche your show is. Because if I do a show about triathletes, okay, now not everybody's going to be a triathlete. And so the people that want to sponsor that show, let's say somebody comes up with some sort of, you know, uh, product that's made specifically for triathletes. Well, they could advertise in Shape Magazine and Men's Fitness and all these other weightlifting, you know, but only a small portion of those magazines have triathletes reading them. Well, you've got a show and it's got a smaller audience because it's kind of niche, but you can actually charge them more because 100% of your audience needs their product. Mm. So, But if you do a show where I, I interview interesting people about interesting things so that you can be motivated and empowered, there's no like shoe that goes along with that. Like <laughs> if it was a running show, okay, I'm sponsored by these shoes. So the more generic it is, it may be harder to get sponsors unless you get five, 10,000 downloads an episode and only about 8% of podcasts get that many. So uh, ads aren't bad. They're, you know, when, when it fits, the, the thing you want to make sure of is don't take a sponsor just because they're offering you money. It has to be a win for the sponsor so that you know, they're not spending too much to get in front of your audience. It has to be a win for your audience. So you don't want to pimp something to them that they would never buy. 
And then mm-hmm. it has to be good because if you say, this is the best thing since sliced bread, everyone should buy it and they buy it and it breaks on them. They're not going to believe another word you say. So ads can be helpful. But uh, and then that's a, a what they call a host red ad. Programmatic ads, sometimes the technology gets a bad rap. It's not the technology that will automatically insert ads that you've kind of said, yes, give me ads on this subject. But uh, what's happening now is there you have to be careful on how you insert them because you you've gone to the school of podcasting you know your proper recording levels and all of a sudden this dynamic ad comes in that's way too loud or way too soft and sounds horrible so and those when i did my research for the book i was getting paid 0.0017 cents per download (laughs) so you know if you had 300 downloads you make like three bucks and i'm like i'm not sure making my audience sit through a minute of you know whatever uh, progressive insurance ads was was worth it. So, right. But there, yeah. But there are other things. You know, I've I've had. I'm right now. I'm negotiating. I might actually go to Asia to do a talk, and mm. it's you know. So you have these different opportunities, and at that opportunity, if I go, I will meet more people that then lead to more opportunities. So sometimes it's not always you know money and things of that nature. Plus the relationships. Some of my best friends I've never met. I know them on the internet and on occasion I might see somebody at an event or something like that. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of different ways you can benefit. It's not just ads. And that's kind of what the book gets into. And I know like one of the big things that I enjoy from the podcast you do is you talk, have people mention like because of my podcast. So with that, obviously you're, unless you're like one of the top few mega podcasters you're not going to end up making a rich and retiring off of it does your book or does your books go into discussing what people's true expectations should be yeah it's especially when because one of the things you can sell is like a membership site or really if you sell anything there are a lot of people that are consuming your podcast for free because well it's free it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be but um the every time i looked into somebody who sold a product whatever it was a book, you know, whatever. Um, I remember I was listening to Radio Lab. Radio Lab is this super popular kind of science-based podcast. And mm-hmm. if you are in a room with somebody who likes Radio Lab and you say the phrase Radio Lab, they like, it's a knee-jerk reaction. They have to go, oh my God, I love Radio Lab. Like <laughs> they have amazingly loyal people. And so I was listening to it. It was a great show. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I just wanted to do, I want to let you guys know we're kind of doing a pledge drive you know, we get lots of listeners and we do all this stuff and we're trying to get up to 1%, up to 1% of their audience to pitch in anything. Um, I've heard the the number 3% a lot. Uh, when I was talking to the folks at Teachable, they said 2%. And I just heard a show with Adam Curry, who's one of the guys that helped invent podcasting. He's been doing what he calls a value for value model, where he basically just says, give you know i've just given you in his case two hours of content if you went to the movies how much would you pay okay so you give them your your money for that how about pretending i'm a movie and give me some money and he said he gets about four percent of his audience because his show delivers information you can't get anyplace else they dissect the media and they talk about a lot of things without getting like too tinfoil hatty but they, um, because they have a global audience, you get different angles of the news from different uh, perspectives, and it it makes a really great show. So, uh, so that's the one thing I mentioned. It's like it's not a case because I've had people like, hey, 
I want to start a podcast and quit my job in six months. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> you know, and then again, when I when I interviewed people, I'm like, how long did it take you to, you know, make enough money to where you had like a car payment or something like that? And they're like, ah, somewhere two, three years to where it was really like, wow, this is this is some decent money here. And nobody wants to hear start a podcast in three years. If you're really good, you'll mm-hmm. make some money. Because uh, so many people, I think, think a podcast is just two people talking and it's real because, you know, they're not going to edit. And I, I, you know, me, like if I had a podcast with my best friend, I've known him for 40 years and we could get together and all he would have to say is Wiedemann. And I'd be like, oh, my God, the Wiedemann pit. Holy. God. And meanwhile, my audience has no idea what we're talking about. And we're laughing and we're like, oh, we're hilarious. I'm like. Yeah, but you got to remember, just because it's real doesn't mean it's really entertaining. Right. Uh, I just I just interviewed a guy who is a he's a hospice doctor and he mm-hmm. does financial stuff. And he made a great point. He goes, it, it it's not enough to be just unique because what happens is when you get into kind of your bubble and I find somebody who, you know, is using podcasting to market their product and they made money. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's what I love to hear. But then I'm going to find somebody else that goes, hey, I'm using my podcast and I'm marketing my products and services and I'm actually making money. Well, all of a sudden, what was really cool is now kind of the same old story. Uh, and so that's where you have to find stories that are not only you kind of want it to be unique um, or how can I do this in an entertaining fashion? Because I always tell people I, I, I did a study where I kind of wrote down everything I watched or read or listened to. And I then asked myself, okay, why did I watch this or listen to that? And in almost all cases, it either made me laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And a lot of times it did both. Like I love uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO. And it's a new show that I really think should be – he covers the things that I think mainstream media should should cover. And so it's really educational it really pulls on your heartstrings sometimes, but it also, he's a comedian, so he makes you laugh. And so I love that show. It pushes uh, a lot of different buttons that way. All right. And yeah, I think I've heard of him. I can't say I've actually, I'd say it. I quit watching TV quite some time ago. So, well, it's funny you say that. Cause I, I haven't watched that show in about four weeks and I don't watch. I haven't watched live TV <laughs> in probably 10 years. The closest thing might be the Super Bowl. Uh, but almost everything I watch, I've either recorded so I can fast forward through the commercials or I just, you know, I've seen every Seinfeld, Friends and Frasier. I don't need to watch it again. So uh, right. I just I just I'm I'm listening to a book right now by Matthew Dix uh, called Someday. I forget the rest of the tagline, but his whole thing is we we give away our time so easily to things that are just not worth it. And uh it's really got me rethinking. Like I, I normally drive to Walmart to grocery shop because everything's so cheap, but I, it takes me probably 25 minutes. So there's 50 minutes round trip. I've got a grocery store, probably three minutes from my house. Now, granted prices are a little more, but it takes me 10 minutes to, to go there. So I've gained 40 minutes. So is the 40 minutes I spent going to Walmart so I could save, I don't know, 78 cents on a, you know, case of Mountain Dew worth the 40 minutes I spent. And it was like, no, no, it's not. So right. Uh, you're right. So TV is one of the first things to go when you start a podcast. Yeah. I know 
like when I started writing, I cut back my TV, and then, like you said, I've I've lost so much time just because of the busy life. You mentioned about listening to a book. I went from reading books to actually listening to them. Yeah. And, I mean, one thing I did, I did definitely learn, and I think I heard it on your show, is you don't start podcasting unless you really enjoy going through listening to the conversations repetitively, editing, and doing all this stuff. Because there is a lot of talking, a lot of stuff that's involved in it. What What other issues or ideas or things that people don't realize about podcasting that should be something that either they can find in your book that's going to be addressed that they need to focus on or what is something you think that people need to know before they even jump into opening the book? Well, yeah, it is going to be a, a kind of a time suck. And so I always tell people the, again, it goes back to who is your audience. So if I'm doing interviews, it sounds simple. I'm just going to get somebody. I'm going to answer some questions. I'll put it out. Well, okay. But that means you have to research who this person is so you can ask the right questions to deliver value to your audience. And so many times people are like, Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Um, and then you just kind of let the person go. And if, if that person knows who your audience is, they can better answer the questions. So they know, you know, so that you have to do less editing. And I always say that when it comes to interviews, it's like a seesaw. If you don't do any research on your guest, then you're going to be doing a lot of editing because part of your interview is you trying to find the gold nugget. Whereas if you spend more time researching the guest, then you can ask better questions, which means you're going to do less editing. So that's one thing. And then the other one is, and I get it, but whatever it is, whether it's you know selling your own product or an affiliate product or crowdfunding especially people like to use whether it's patreon or supercast or glow.fm there are a number of these out there mm -hmm. and they'll put it out there like hey you can you can give me five dollars a month and i don't know i'll make another episode or something like that but first of all that's called crowdfunding and again i always like to point out it is crowdfunding so it's not fund crowding you have to have the crowd first otherwise right. that's not going to work and again you're going to get about three percent of of people and so, but what happens is, and I get it, we get a little uncomfortable when we start to talk about ourselves. And so you want to talk about your, your, uh, you know, bonus content or whatever it is. And it, your pitch sounds like this. Hey, like if you kind of like maybe want to, you don't have to, but like if you, you know, um, I have this thing, it's like monthly if you want it, like, I don't know, it's, you know, my website is .com, um, and you know, okay, thanks. And I'm like, wait, what? Where the people that are doing good with that, and, and I, first of all, the reason people do that is because they feel, and no offense to 1970s used car salesmen, <laughs> but that's kind of the stereotype, right. is you kind of like, eh, I feel salesy, and I get that. And I say, but let's, let's use that analogy. The 1970s used car salesman in that scenario uh, was selling you a bucket of bolts. They were hoping that the car would get off the lot and that they could say, okay, well, you got it. You took it. It's yours. And then it just falls apart. And I'm like, so you're saying your podcast is a bucket of bolts. And they're like, no, I spent hours editing this thing and doing it. I'm like, okay, so it's not a bucket of bolts. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, and does it deliver value to your audience? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, it's, I'm going to save them some time. I'm like, oh, so you're actually helping them. And I'm like, great. So quit thinking about your podcast as you're selling your podcast. You're giving them the opportunity to, to help them. Like what you just gave them was valuable 
And if they want more of this thing that's valuable, that's going to save them time or money or whatever it is, then they can give you some money for that. It's a, va- again, value for value kind of thing. And, and instead, you should say, hey, you know, I noticed that we're at about the 15 minute mark and you're still here. So obviously you like this podcast and I'm so glad you're here. If, uh, if you want more of this, I actually have more available. Just go to, and then you say your website slowly, clearly, and confidently. And you have some sort of easy to remember thing like, you know, uh, podcastrodeoshow.com slash store is where you can go to have your podcast reviewed. And that way people can remember it, hopefully, because they're on a treadmill, they're in the car, they're not like sitting in front of a computer many times. So say it slowly, confidently, and specifically and tell them what to do. Again, that's where you're going to get your 3%. But if you're doing the whole like, hey, my website's com, and like, I don't know, whatever you can, if you want, thanks. Like, you're not going to get anybody doing that because they have no idea what you just said. <laughs> right. But But you do have to, you do have to ask. You have to be comfortable asking people to support you in whatever way you're you're doing it i understand so let me ask this out of so i've done a lot of research and things for book marketing so mm-hmm. i've read more things than i can count on that topic that literally my eyes have gone crossed many times mm-hmm. one thing that's constantly men- mentioned in book marketing is using a mailing list mm-hmm. and i do see every now and then on different social medias, people mentioning their mailing list. I have one on authorblurb.com where people can go and it just has a little pop-up and I just give a monthly email. Do you find that that's actually a useful tool in podcasting or is it kind of a waste of time? Or what do you know? Yeah, an email list is one of the best tools you can have. The thing is, my uh, my friend Eric K. Johnson, he's the podcast talent coach, is his show. He says, nobody wakes up and goes, oh, what a lovely day. I hope I can find a new newsletter to subscribe to. He goes, <laughs> nobody's doing that. But if right. you so, so what I did is I went into my Google Analytics, which you should have running on your website, and I looked at my top 10 pages. And one of them, now this makes no sense, but sometimes things that don't make sense work. But it was how to take phone calls on a podcast. And it was a really old blog post, and it was where I was telling people about a service that, in my opinion, is not that great called Blog Talk Radio. And so it had this whole thing, and I put a thing right there. Hey, do you like this post? If you'd like to take this with you uh, in a PDF and have it go to your email, uh, just sign up here, and I will send you this PDF along with some additional sources that might actually be better than phone calls. And so it's something that they want. Like, how do I take phone calls on a podcast? Well, you don't anymore. What are you, Phil Donahue? You know, um, but, and then I forget, uh, I had like two or three that were all what people were looking for. So it was like, hey, let's say it was about microphones. Oh, uh, click here to get my, you know, podcast gear guide or something like that. So you have to figure out what they want. And it, you don't want to give them war and peace. It's usually like a one-page cheat sheet. Here's five tips on yada, yada, yada. Or here's seven resources to help you, blah, blah, blah. And it's just something that they're willing to part with their email list with. And then, again, once you have their email list, it's not, you, you know, I always try to find resources, anything that's going to be valuable to it. And I'm a little different. My, the email that I send out every week is maybe three paragraphs. It's like, and I, it's, it gives people a behind the scenes. Like my last one that it's going out uh, tomorrow says in the first paragraph, it's kind of got a template. Like, here's what I've been up to. Here's what my latest episodes are. 
here's what caught my eye and here's what's coming in the future. And so the first paragraph is what I've been up to. And I was like, well, I, I mowed the lawn. I did this. You know, <laughs> I really haven't done anything podcasting, uh, but here's some stuff. And people love that. Like I remember the one time I, I just said um, I spent most of the day being uncle Dave and so many people, again, they're like, I'm so glad to hear you're finally getting some time with your family. <laughs> um, and so it's just, I send it out once a week. And then I, some of my podcasts I have set up, I use ConvertKit to where you can put in your RSS feed. And then for me on my, and I put the RSS feed from my website where the full description is, where is the one I put in my media host that goes to apps is much more truncated. It's a paragraph and some links. My website, where Google is searching, has a much longer, much more detailed description of my episode. And so I took the feed from that and I put it into ConvertKit. And when I put out a new episode, it takes that description on the website, puts it into a newsletter and automatically sends to anybody who said, I want your newsletter. So that's uh, that's kind of a cool one because it's on autopilot. Oh, nice. So what actually, what made you decide to go into the whole... You said you started podcasting with the band, yeah, and then you obviously went from a podcast about bands to a podcast about podcasting. That seems kind of like a, at least in my mind, there's kind of a jump there somewhere. Yeah, what actually led to that? Well, my my background was in teaching, so I was teaching people how to surf the internet. That was before Google, which makes some people's head explode when you say the <laughs> phrase "before Google." And I was teaching people how to make websites. And I'd started this website for musicians and uh, a friend of mine who had, who also, we all kind of dabbled in marketing. And he said, Hey, I just came back. And uh, he said, you know how you missed the MySpace boat, which again is dating me. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, don't rub it in. He goes, Hey, I just came back from this big, huge marketing conference. And he goes, the next big thing is going to be podcasting. And I said, great. What's a podcasting? And I Googled it. And I really thought I broke the internet because there was one and a half pages of results. Like that was it. <laughs> And so when I pieces parted one together and I uploaded a, a media file and then opened up this archaic old software that, that downloaded it, I was like, oh, okay, I get this now. This is going to be global. There's no FCC. And so it, number one, you, at that point, this is back in 2005, you had to be kind of geeky to get into podcasting. You didn't have all the cool, super easy to do tools now. You had to be a little bit of a geek. Uh, it enabled me to teach. So I was able to get content out that I wanted to on a global basis, which was great. And then because there is no, you know, seven dirty words or there's no FTC, well, there's an FTC, but no FCC. Uh, uh, so you could be as creative as you wanted. And that scratched every itch I had. I was like, wait a minute, I can be kind of geeky. I can help people and I can be as creative as I want. And I was like, that scratches every itch I have. And the thing that really solidified it for me was I'd been doing this podcast for uh, musicians and probably I'm going to say two weeks. And all of a sudden I got a voicemail from Michael Van Lahr from Nuremberg, Germany. At the time I was in Mogador, Ohio. So everybody together, where exactly? <laughs> it's me. It's me and the cows out in Mogador, Ohio. I'm in my brother's basement and uh, I get this voicemail from Nuremberg, Germany. And I went, whoa, wait a minute. Because I knew it was global. But that was like when you hear a legit German accent coming out of your speakers, you're like, there's a dude on the other side of the planet that not only found my podcast, but liked it. And so at that point, I, as they say, found myself between jobs. And when I got my first degree, which is in uh, electronic engineering, 
I was a waiter and I was like, hmm, I need a job that is going to allow me to have flexible hours, somewhat pay the bills and, you know, go to. So I was like, hmm. And I had seen so many things come and go where they're like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. And I'm like, oh, I should jump on that. And then I wouldn't. And then it would become the next big thing. And then another thing would come. And so I heard, hey, podcasting is going to be the next big thing. And the other thing people were saying was membership sites are going to be the next big thing. And I was like, hmm, if podcasting is going to be big and membership sites are going to be big, what if I create a membership site about podcasting? So I did. And again, this is 2005. So every time I asked anybody, do you listen to podcasts? They were like, do I need an iPod for that? So one of the rules that I talk about in the book is if you're expecting to make money quickly, you're not. And in 2005, that was ridiculously painful to get that to do. So not only was I doing podcasting, I was doing podcast editing. So anybody I talked into a podcast, they're like, I just want to talk into a microphone. So I was doing <laughs> editing, but I was also in a band. I was doing guitar lessons. I was doing just about everything you could think of while I went back to school to uh, to get my teaching degree, which was weird because I'd already been teaching for about probably 10 years, but my original degree was in electronics. And so when I went to get a, a job, they're like, you don't have a teaching degree. And I'm like, no, but look at my resume. Look at this. And they're like, yeah, we we need you to have that piece of paper. So so the uh, the school of podcasting originally, along with many other hobbies that made money, uh, allowed me to go back to uh, to school and get that degree. And then from there, I just, uh, you know, another it, it just basically the world started to catch up to me. I'm like, hey, what's this podcasting thing? So uh, so it's been uh, been a fun ride all, all all the way along. Well, it sounds like it. And it sounds like you definitely enjoy it quite a bit. So do you. You've mentioned websites quite a bit. Now, nowadays, like I remember my first website making, when I made it, literally I felt like pulling my hair out because you had to know code. So I was Googling or copying, pasting, all this stuff just to try to get something to work. Now, making a website is so much easier. With, I mean, there's WordPress if you are endowed to take that jump to do the little things there. And then there's even the just drag and drop website builders. Yeah. But one, but one thing I'm definitely I've noticed is I've come across a lot of podcasts that don't have websites, and that just drives me nuts because I want to try to learn about it. What do you say to people? Like, what tools can they use the podcast their website for the podcast for, or what can they use that as a direction to benefit them? Yeah. The uh I, I only have two sites left on WordPress. Everything else I've moved to PodPage, which I happen to be wearing a shirt right now. Right. Uh, if, you, if you go to learnpodpage.com, I actually have a free course on it. And the last website I made, and I'm not making this up, 10 minutes. It is so you put in your RSS feed, you pick your colors, you write up an about page, and you're done. It's super simple and super powerful. So I was actually uh, talking with the owner of PodPage today, and I said, I'm this close to moving the school of podcasting on the PodPage, but I've got 17 years of WordPress stuff there, so it's a, it's a little <laughs> more troublesome. But the bottom line is, you know, Google doesn't search, or I guess I should say because they probably do, search audio, but they're not bringing up audio in search results. So, yeah, you can be there, ensure 70% of people find new podcasts by somebody telling them, oh, you should listen to this podcast. But 
I still get a fair number of both clients. I, the, I had somebody last night, new customer at the School of Podcasting. I said, how did you find me? She said, I Googled podcast consultants and up you came. And so that's where it really comes in. I mean, how many, I mean, Google is a verb and a noun, right? So <laughs> by having a website, and that's why I write a much deeper description on my website. So I, with PodPage, I put the bare minimum in and that goes to all the apps, the Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, all that. But then PodPage pulls that information into my website and I then expand on it. So I've got kind of the, the Reader's Digest condensed version in the apps because people don't want to have to read paragraph upon paragraph on their phone. Uh, and then I've got it on my website for Google. And that's where you know you can keyword uh, and that's where SEO comes into play, basically search mm -hmm. engine optimization. And so I always tell people I, what I do is I'm a little scatterbrained. So I actually write a blog post out to flush out what am I trying to say in this episode? And then once I get that flushed out, I usually write it down to like four or five bullet points and I fire up my microphone and I talk to my invisible friend across the desk and I cover those bullet points to kind of keep me on track. But it's those, all that information on the website that really attracts Google. And so all the podcast is in my book, and I know there's the whole RSS and syndication, but when you're looking at it, it looks like a blog post with a player on it. And I go, yeah, that's kind of what it is. There's just a whole syndication thing that goes on behind the scenes. But from a, a end user that just comes to your website, it looks like a blog post with a player on it. If you want to go that route, you don't have to. I know there are some people that will put like three, three sentences in this show. I talked to Jim Smith who runs the blah, 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 and that's it. And I'm like, okay, well, the fun part of podcasting is there's no rules. If you want right. to do that, that's fine, but don't just come to me later and go, how come my stuff doesn't come up in Google? Well, because you type 36 words for your, your episode. You might need to, to pull a little more into that. I understand. Now, what about like this show is both audio and video. So when somebody Googles, Googles it and searches, I, like I've searched the website, and if you're clicked on videos and you type in author blurb, this show will come up on the different streaming services I posted on, but it doesn't bring up my website. Now, I do have files embedded in my website. Does that help the website get discovered with the videos embedded in? Yeah, it's actually something I need to do more of. I have a, a YouTube channel, and it just dawned on me the other day. I was like, I just send people to YouTube for my videos. I should be putting my videos on my website. I don't know why I'm not. I was like, wait, what? I was like, nope, I've just been doing YouTube. And <laughs> they are completely different audiences. I've had people that have found me on YouTube. And I'll be like, hey, because I always ask new, anytime somebody signs up my website, how did you find me? Because I want to do more of whatever that was. Right. And I've and I've had people find me on YouTube. They'll sign up for the School of Podcasting. And then I'll be like, how did you find me? Oh, you found me on YouTube. Great. And they'd be like, oh, do you do audio stuff too? And I'm like, yeah, for 17 <laughs> years. So they're two completely separate audiences. There are people, I don't know who the, used to be PewDiePie. There are people who, who worship YouTube and they, that's all they watch is YouTube. They just, it's their little YouTube bubble. And then you have the people over here that are all about podcasting and Mark Marin and Joe Rogan and this American life. And they don't have a clue who the top YouTuber is. It's two little separate bubbles. Mm -hmm. So if you can do both great, 
if you can't, I would start off with audio. Audio is a heck of a lot easier to edit and uh, you don't need lights and all that stuff. You don't have to take a shower <laughs> if you're just doing audio. So, um, but yeah, if you can do both, it's great, but uh, it's uh, it's fun. And YouTube also, if you're doing things on YouTube, bring an extra set of skin because people on YouTube are not shy at letting you know if they don't agree with your content. And mm-hmm. you you have to learn quickly, do not feed the trolls. So I had a guy uh, about three episodes ago was like, oh, why are you guys listening to this guy? He's not even on the radio, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. And I, I wanted to. I wanted to be like, you're an idiot. you know. And I was like, nope, don't feed the trolls. He'll go away eventually. So, And he did. Right. Well, usually anybody that publishes a book definitely knows that as well because yeah like book reviews (laughs) like i've discussed with other authors there was one author that was talking about how he wrote a book about getting out of your head while golfing and even says in the description this will not teach you how to golf and the guy gave him a bad review saying i didn't learn a thing about golfing in this book and gave him one star um and i mean you get those reviews the people just don't really think they don't really and some people they're just having a bad day and they want somebody to be rude to. Yeah, so, I uh what's weird is you can get, you know, 30 positive reviews and when you get that one star you memorize it like it's scripture. <laughs> uh mine is um a bad podcast for a bad service, one star. And I can I, I remember that, but ask me to name a five star. I'll be like, I don't I don't know. I don't it's it's funny how that works. And I have a name for those people, and it's called not your target audience. So <laughs> yeah. you know, when we try to be everything to everyone, we just kind of wash ourselves out and end up with just a bunch of vanilla, and that's no good. I understand. So I don't want to take up your whole night. I know that you have a lot of stuff probably going on as well. So one thing I would like to do is again, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you? I have a profile for you on authorblurb.com. All the links that you've given me, I'm putting in the show description, show notes below. If you're watching it, video, audio, it's all there. Where do you want people to find you or where do you think is the best place for them to locate you if they're interested in learning more? Yeah, my main hub, everything that revolves around it, all my social and all that other stuff, just go to schoolofpodcasting.com and everything you need there. Uh, you can find, just go to the contact page and you'll see all my contact information if you want to reach out. But everything is there at schoolofpodcasting.com. All right, perfect. I do appreciate it. So this is going to end with everybody else. So this is the end of the conversation for what people's going to hear. But if you can hold on for one moment, we'll talk a little bit after. Sure. So there we are. There you have it. There it is. My conversation with Dave Jackson, I found very informative. I enjoyed speaking with him, and I feel very lucky to do so. Like I've said in the beginning of the show, at least when him and I were talking, I've been a fan of his, I've listened to his shows, and I find a lot of the information he provides very helpful. I encourage you, like always, go look at him. Go look at his website, look at what he has to offer, buy his books. Every author loves when you buy their books, obviously. So, with that being said, I appreciate your time. Please remember, rate, review me, let people know what you think about me, share it however you feel comfortable doing. I appreciate anything you do. And, as always, go to authorblurb.com where, again, articles, profiles, the shows, they're all there. And you can enjoy them all 
and I don't ask for anything from you. So thank you again. I hope you enjoy the show, and I look forward to seeing you again on the next show. So have a good day, and take care of yourself. <laughs>